The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it in the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. Given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no share of me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And for this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe, and had returned to the table. He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, that you should also do as I have done to you. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It is a farewell meal, whether the disciples grasp the enormity of it all, Jesus does. John makes that much clear. Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them. Then Jesus turns words into action and washes the disciples' feet. His I love you also means goodbye. And with this act of love comes words that echo through the ages and words that we hear in a radically new way tonight. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. Words become deeds. We see great love and sacrifice these days. One doctor in Washington state writes that on the front lines of a pandemic, I love you, K-12 
can mean goodbye. As he writes, I love you, says a, says a female colleague of mine to her newborn baby after she tests positive for COVID-19 and has to self-isolate at home. I love you, says an emergency room physician to his family before a breathing tube is inserted into his airway and his coworkers descend upon his body working to save his life. The emotional struggle shattering the aura of invincibility we often fill as healthcare providers. I love you, says husband to wife, both of them ill from coronavirus, hospitalized in adjacent rooms. Their eyes meet as he is rolled away to the intensive care unit for mechanical ventilation as his condition rapidly worsens. It is possibly the last time they will see each other alive. Their exchange of I love you may be the last words they ever say to one another. Behind the gowns, masks, and goggles, he goes on to write, there are no dry eyes among the nurses, respiratory therapists, and doctors who have fought so hard to support him as they watch him get wheeled down the hall and out of sight. He goes on, an older woman, her lungs filling with pus and inflammation, struggles to say I love you to her grandsons via video chat. The virus is too, contagi too contagious for an in-person goodbye. She's breathing hard and visibly distressed. Both her doctor, who is a nurse, and I ask her to let us increase the dose of medications that will make her comfortable but sedated. She refuses for now, as she wants to have a little more time with her grandsons to ask them about their homework. I hear the patient's daughter explaining to her boys that grandma is going to heaven and they won't see her again. I walk closer to give her a hug as I have done for many other dying patients. But I stop myself. The simple act of empathy as a healthcare provider, as a human being, carries too much risk of transmission. Monday Thursday is the day our liturgy usually includes the most touch, the most physical, intimate contact. Pastors lay hands on the head of worshipers announcing forgiveness and reconciliation. We stoop low to wash one another's feet. We share a handshake, a kiss, an embrace as a greeting of peace. And then we share a meal of bread and wine, the bread server often touching your hands in a moment of holy intimacy. And then many of us drinking from a common cup as a sign of unity. Yet this year, our rituals are curtailed and we partake, partake via a screen, reflecting on love, servanthood, and touch in limited yet new ways. In these bizarre days, 
when we are afraid to touch or come near one another, we remember Jesus who touched those most vulnerable, touched those most marginalized, touched those most contaminated. His bodily touch was a sign of God's boundless mercy for all who suffer. His very life, a picture of the foot washing and acts of service he calls us to embody. How we long to be together, to share the Eucharist, to embrace, to hold a hand, even as we give thanks for those on the front line, being signs of compassion for those who are sick, those who are dying, those who are isolated, those who are alone. Thanks to technology, priests and pastors are offering rituals for the dying through an iPad or a phone, trusting that words of comfort will offer a virtual sign of God's grace for those who will transition from life to death. Now, some call this virus the great equalizer. After all, England's prime minister contracted it. Yet in this city and across the nation, there is a disproportionate number of cases and deaths among African-Americans and Latinx. Those whose health is most fragile, those who need to take public transportation, those still working and serving are those most vulnerable and suffering the most. During these liturgies of the three days, we are always in the midst of death and life, but perhaps for most of us, more so this year than at any time in our lives. We find in Jesus, death and resurrection, the sign of love and mercy. Pause now and reflect on some images. I recently learned of a new liturgy made available to Lutherans called the rite of preparing the body for burial. Close family or friends and often a pastor attend to the body of the deceased, washing it and anointing it with lotions and oils. The rite was prepared, for pa the rite was prepared by Pastor Becky Lorman for a class in worship taught by Holy Trinity member Ben Stewart at the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. 
Becky and her husband Marcus attended Holy Trinity a number of years ago when Marcus was a seminarian. In a time when many of us are afraid of dead bodies and we often whisk them off to be cremated, this rite helps us honor the body in death as we do in life. My brother used it following the death of his wife about a month ago and found it so immensely healing. I share some of the texts as they hold up the power of touch, even when we cannot wash feet together this night and many people around the world cannot vigil with their loved ones as they die. These powerful texts remind us of, of the goodness of our bodies and the importance of the body and all our five senses in liturgy and in life. So before the washing, there are these words. When Jesus encountered a man born blind, he sent him to wash in a pool of healing. When Jesus was preparing for his own death, he knelt down and washed the feet of his disciples and then taught them to love one another. On the way to Jerusalem, Mary, the sister of Martha, anointed Jesus with costly perfume. For thousands of years, people have been washed in God's waters of grace and clothed with God's mercy and forgiveness. Then what follows is a blessing and making the cross on the body. It's similar to a blessing we use for adults when they prepare for baptism. How beautifully they remind us of the precious gift of life that we experience day by day, even as we give thanks for someone who has died. And after each anointing comes the words, you belong to Christ in whom you, are been, in whom you have been baptized. Over the eyes, the leader prays, all that Susan's eyes have seen in this life, O oh God, we commend to you. Over the, ear, over the ears, all that Robert's ears have heard in this life, O oh God, we commend to you. Over the mouth, all that Sally's tongue has tasted and all the words that her mouth has spoken in this life, O oh God, we commend to you. Over the hands, all the work that Peter's hands have done in this life, O oh God, we commend to you. Over the feet, all the journeys of Sharon's pilgrimage on this earth, O oh God, we commend to you. And finally, over the forehead, this life, baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, we commend to you. Jesus loved them to the end. Jesus loves us to the end and calls us to follow his example of servanthood. Whether or not we wash feet ritually tonight, we recommit ourselves to honoring and caring for bodies, our own and those of others, especially those most vulnerable. For in such acts of love and service, Easter is already dawning. Amen.